Well, about two years ago, our family was getting ready to head uptown for tulip time. It was a Saturday morning, and it was beautiful. So you know what that means in Pella, Iowa, when it is beautiful and it is tulip time. That means there are a lot of people here. Well, it was about 1045 in the morning, and we live over by the pool, and so we already had cars parked out in front of our house at that moment, which was, we just were preparing ourselves. Get ready. It's going to be hustled and bustled today. But we're a part of this singing and dancing group called the Dutch Family Singers, and our family loves doing this together, especially Mike. And so with that, we love hanging out with the other families. We love entertaining tourists. Mike especially loves getting costumed. Just joking. But all of us love getting in our costumes. And so we're getting ready for this moment, and we knew it was going to be a big day. And all of a sudden, our oldest daughter starts yelling. She grabs my Bible, and she says, God is good. He is so kind. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. She was saying it over and over and over again, louder and louder each time. And Mike and I just looked at each other thinking, all true statements. I mean, this is great. I don't know what's happening in this moment, but okay, this is great. And we got ready and then we headed uptown. Well, when we perform as the Dutch Family Singers, we usually start at the small windmill in the middle of town, and then we head to the larger windmill by the historical village. And as we were headed to the larger windmill that day, I started to see these signs that said, repent or burn. God is going to judge you. And then I started to hear these voices start saying, you are going to hell unless you repent or burn. The voices kept getting louder. And at one point, the voice said, if you are doing these sins, and listed a bunch of sins, and then said, you are going to hell. Man, as we were approaching the windmill, all I kept thinking and wondering with the Lord was, this is about to get real awkward because we need to dance where you're yelling this. And I have no idea how that's about to go down. And then I started to wonder with the Lord, but seriously, what do we do in this moment? See, in my spirit, I thought, okay, Allie Cranmer, you are about to be commissioned as a pastor next month. What are you going to do to help this situation? The scene was chaotic. We had little kids with us. It was us adults. There were people yelling at those yelling these things. It felt so strange for tulip time. So I decided, more than anything, I wanted to hear their reasoning for this approach to evangelism. I walked up to one of the guys that was yelling, and my opening questions were, how long have you guys been doing this? Why do you do this? Has it ever worked? Mike joined me in the conversation. And the more we listened, the more we began to understand his views about God. We began to hear his beliefs about God. He used Old Testament Bible verses in context about the cost of sin. He then looked at us and said, well, what's your motive? And now this is an awkward moment when you're, you work at a church. And so I, I ended up saying that. I said, I work at a church in town, and I like to hear why people believe and do the things they do. So the truth is, Mike in a situation like this is a much better human being than I am. Because I would much rather go into the situation, have all my points ready, and be like, mm, yep, I just told you, and then walk away. But Mike is good and gracious, and so he asked great questions. And so as we started to ask questions, 
And as my points started to fizzle, my heart started to break. See, I wonder if he's never known that God was good. I wonder if he's actually never known that God is kind. See, fear ended up leading him to God. Fear kept him in relationship with God. Fear actually made him treat people the way he was at tulip time. And unlike our oldest, who was yelling that Jesus saves and it's because of his love and God's love that Jesus died on the cross for you, maybe he didn't fully understand that part of the equation. Maybe he didn't know that God's for his creation. When we left the conversation, I started to weep because I realized that although we said we were worshiping the same God, we didn't understand the same God. Around the same time, I began to notice in the American church that people kept declaring God was good. So you guys might remember this moment. God is good. I would see it in social media. I would see it in news articles. I would hear it in conversations. I would hear it in people's prayers. God is good because he gave us fill in the blank. Or hashtag God is good next to the new house, the new baby, the new marriage, the new friendship, the vacation, you name it, the new car, anything. It was God was good. Hashtag God is good. And although I believe all those things and God is good and he gives good gifts, I was dissatisfied at times because God can't just be good because he gives us things. So I decided to start praying, God, will you show me what your goodness means? Because if goodness only means you give me something I want, then I don't know that that's true. Because God should be good, period. Not God is good because I have a great vacation or a nice new car. So today I want us to talk more about goodness and kindness. For many of us, we were taught probably at an early age what it means to be a good boy or good girl. Good meant, you could probably list them for yourselves, acting a certain way, dressing a certain way, speaking a certain way, maybe in our homes it meant don't ruffle any feathers. Keep under the radar of mom and dad. Maybe it meant going to church, looking put together all the time, not being too emotional. For many of us, it probably meant being kind to people, treating others the way we want to be treated. But the dictionary definition of good is actually to be desired or approved of. The dictionary definition of kind is having or showing a friendly and generous, considerate nature. The interesting thing about these two definitions is these are only from the dictionary. So if we only live by these two, we get wrapped up in this, I need to prove that I'm good. I need to prove that I'm kind. I need to show people that I am these things so that they approve of me, so that they accept me. I want to achieve goodness and kindness. But Paul in Galatians 1.10 says, if people pleasing were my goal, well, I'm not Christ's servant. See, goodness and kindness is not something to achieve. It's something to be. And the only person I know that innately does this is Jesus. So for the rest of today, that's what we're going to talk about, is the goodness and kindness of Jesus, because I truly mean that. See, Jesus came into the world at the most perfect time. He entered into history, and he said, okay, you two very well-known camps, religious leaders and Romans, you are both powerful. You are both having, you have followings. You both have laws and you both hate each other. I'm entering in. And the interesting part was he entered in with love. 
So let me talk about the Romans for a second. I did this a little bit in the sanctuary over Christmas, but I want to share a little bit more. So the Romans were this government and they stood for government. They stood in this entrenched way of, I think this way, we know the best, you need to live by our our ways because we are powerful. We have all the Mediterranean area and then some. You need to show that you respect us. But they were oppressive. They kept people in bondage, especially if they were slaves. Freedom meant looking more like a Roman, which really meant living however you wanted as long as you stayed within Roman government and Roman law. They didn't see value in other cultures, other people groups. They didn't see value in religion. They degraded and intimidated people to make sure that they followed them in their ways. Oftentimes this meant violence, rape, abuse, and death. Now on the opposite side, you have religious leaders. So religious leaders, I mean, if I'm honest with you, whenever I hear religious leader, especially in biblical context, I'm like, oh, there's hope. Religious leaders, let's talk about them for a little bit. Religious leaders were on the opposite side and they loved showing off and proving that they knew best, that they live by God's law and that if you didn't, you were wrong. So they were quick to judge people. They were quick to let people know that they weren't doing things correctly and that God had a specific way to live and you weren't living that way. Religious leaders love to tell people when they were wrong. They love to though also be an example and they held their heads high but they wouldn't associate with people unless they absolutely had to. But then if they associated with people that were less than them in some way, people that didn't think the same way they did about religion, so those would be the rule breakers, those would be the Romans, those would be the sick, those would be the oppressed, those would be the outcasts, anyone that was considered less than them. Then they would go through a ritual cleaning so that they would be clean again because they had to interact with those kind of people but they didn't want to interact with those kind of people. See, religious people were also oppressive. They kept people in bondage because they wanted people to act and look a certain way that equaled religion to them. Freedom to them meant living more by religious law than anything else. Religious leaders truly felt that they were the holiest, that they were the most like God, and that their job was to keep people accountable to that. Now, as I shared before, the truth was they both hated each other. So Jesus enters into this hateful moment in history that they're both fully offended. They both think that they rule and reign the best. They both flaunt and expose how the other one is wrong. They both think that anything other than their ideas is wrong and useless. So if we're honest, if you were to look at history, Romans were good at being Leaders in government. People knew what they should and shouldn't do. Religious leaders were kind because they didn't rape, abuse, and kill people. However, they use manipulation and shame to guilt people into line. So at the most perfect time, here comes Jesus, walking onto the scene. He redefines what happens and what could be. Jesus has good and kind words towards both. The Roman leader who thinks he's too good for Jesus. The religious leader who thinks he's too good for Jesus, if I'm honest. But Jesus walks in and he values both. So you might know some of these stories. They're some of my 
favorite stories. Jesus, at one point, sees a mob of religious men. And these men are looking at a woman, and they all have a stone in their hand. And Jesus gets down and walks into the middle and draws a line in the sand and says, until you have no sin, or if you can even say that, why don't you throw the first stone? Well, they all walk away and drop the stones. There's this other time that a leper comes. And the leper comes to Jesus. And if you were a leper, you were an outcast. Like, we can consider an outcast, but you have no idea what kind of outcast a leper would have been. So Jesus sees a leper coming to him. And everyone else is saying, what are you about to do? Don't walk towards that man. Do you know how contagious leprosy is? And Jesus goes up to him and grabs him. And he's healed because of his faith. Jesus isn't sick, but Jesus crossed the social barrier. Then you have this other moment where all of a sudden, through the ceiling, friends drop their friend. Nicely, that probably sounded bad, but like lower him nicely through the ceiling. That was a much better picture. Okay, lower him, he's paralyzed. And they're yelling down at Jesus, please heal our friend. This will be life-changing for him. I'm sorry, I just spit on you. Please heal your, my, our friend. And Jesus, without a blink, says, your sins are forgiven, you are healed. Get up and walk. And he walks. And then there's this other time that Jesus has a Roman soldier, so the ones we just talked about that would not believe in religion, approach him and say, my daughter is dying. Will you step in? And what does Jesus do? He steps in. Now that's an incredibly good and kind man. He crossed the social barriers. He eliminated the two sides. And he said, this is what goodness and kindness looks like today. Today I want to tell a story, though, from Luke 10. And it's a story that most of us probably know, whether we know the actual biblical text of the story or we've heard the word phrase used. We're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. Now, the Good Samaritan is an interesting story because there's this expert in religion that approaches Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he's, he's trying to prove Jesus wrong. So he's like, what gets you into heaven? And Jesus says, well, you know what Moses said. What did Moses say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the man wasn't satisfied with that because that might mean he has to live a little differently. So he says, well, then who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And this is where he tells it. You can follow on the screens. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? I'm not in the same place as that screen. Okay, let me read from the screen. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the best neighbor? Who fell into the hands to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I want us to take a moment. Based on this text, what do you see from the text? What did you hear from the reading of the text? What do you wonder about because of the text? Will you spend just a couple minutes talking about that with those around you. All right, so I wanna hear, but this is how we're gonna do this. I'm gonna give each section a category to talk about. So this section, I'm gonna ask you in a second, what did you see? So if possible, two to three people, what did you see? Over here, what did you hear? Two to three people, what did you hear? And these two sections, what do you wonder about? Two to three people, okay? Okay, what did you see? You can just shout it out. You don't have to raise your hand. Yeah, he put the injured man on his donkey and took him to the end. Thank you, Kathy. Anyone else? Religious people walk by. Religious people walk by. Thank you, Jared. Okay, what did you guys hear? Yes, please. Yeah, that the guys made an actual effort to cross the other side. They didn't just like, that didn't just happen. They actually made a conscious effort to walk to the other side. I think that, yeah, that's a great point. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, he didn't just take him. He said he would come back and check on him. Thanks, Mike. All right, what do you wonder about because of the text? Center sections? Look away, look away. Don't look at my eyes. Just joking. <laughs> I think most of us have heard this story so many times. But how do you know when to step in yeah. and do something? Because you can't step in and fix every right. situation. Yes. So Right. How do I decide when it's my place to step in? Yeah, Lynn, that's great. So how do you know when's the right time to step in? Because we can't just help every single person. So how do you know? Thanks, Lynn. One more person. What did you wonder about? I'm not consciously moving to this side being like, hmm. Don't worry, that wasn't. Okay, I'll just stay in the middle. (laughs) I know that I looked right at you, Hillary. I really didn't. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's great. So Hillary said, how many times have I consciously actually made the choice to avoid instead of enter in? So this story was pretty offensive for its time. The man, the, the audacity of the religious person 
was to challenge Jesus. And so Jesus wanted to reframe his thinking a bit. He wanted the man to enter into what does a neighbor mean? And he wanted the man to not only enter in, but to start realizing that who you would probably consider your neighbor to be is different than what I am saying, Jesus, what Jesus is saying a neighbor is. So the story was actually very offensive. I don't know if you caught it, but the man couldn't even say Samaritan. It was that offensive. He couldn't use that word because a Samaritan was considered that low in the social class system. So Jesus comes in and says, goodness and kindness have to do with our heart and our heart's condition. Goodness and kindness have to do with whether or not you're going to trust what I, Jesus, says. And we're going to trust the thoughts that Jesus is giving us. Or are we going to always assume that Jesus is wrong? And that we get to negotiate with Jesus. See, we can assume that God wants us to always prove we're worthy of goodness and kindness. But really what Jesus is saying is goodness and kindness means enter in and love well. That's why I love the picture of the fruit of the spirit being the tree of love and the tree of love that bears all this different love fruit because it all comes back to love for Jesus. See, the true nature of who God is is always displayed through Jesus. As I was getting ready for this talk, the thing that my heart kept wondering about is how often do we not understand God's true heart for us? And that it really is good and kind all the time. And so we look at the true, the definitions from the world that are from the dictionary and we think, well, that's what it means to be good and kind. And I just need to stick with those definitions. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 just follow me. That's love, goodness, and kindness. See, God's goodness and kindness is the reason that we don't have to be religious leaders earning our way to salvation. God's goodness and kindness is actually the reason why we don't have to be Romans and have to die on a cross for our sins. God's goodness and kindness did this incredible exchange that changed everything for everyone forever if they step in. So because of that, I wonder if we should step into the story today. I wonder if we should reshape the story because we have probably heard it a ton of times. And because we've heard it so many times, I don't know about you, but when I hear things over and over and over again, it becomes the Charlie Brown wah-wah-wah-wah-wah voice in the back of my head. When the truth is God saying, what does goodness and kindness look like today? So I wanna prepare you a second. This might be offensive. I have permission to say it. Don't worry, I'm not just going off on my own stream. I have permission to say it. I was told to push into it. And so I wanna share it. But I want us to do this in a way that is one of my favorite ways to study scripture and it's called imaginative listening. So I wanna ask you to close your eyes and take a few deep breaths and invite Jesus to reveal himself to you. And as I read, will you pay attention in your mind to the things that you see, the words that you hear, and the things that you wonder about? One day, 
there was a woman walking back from her run on the bike path. She was passing the campgrounds and noticed there were some local fishermen drinking and fishing. She felt in her spirit that something could happen. So she kept her head down and looked only at the path in front of her. Her hope was that the men would not notice her and would be too distracted. However, instead, they started calling her different names. They started making propositions to her. She ignored them and walked faster. But before she knew it, she was being attacked in all the ways imaginable. Later in the day, a female who happened to be white walked by. She was disgusted by what she saw and figured the woman must have deserved it. She crossed to the opposite side of the road and thought to herself, if only that woman was stronger and smarter, then she would have ran away from those men and the situation. About an hour later, a man who happened to be white was walking by the same path. He saw a mess, and as he approached the scene, he realized how gross and inappropriate everything looked. He walked to the opposite side of the path thinking, I can't be seen helping this woman. Being seen with her could cost me everything. I can't risk my title or my reputation for something like this. About two hours later, a family came riding down the bike path. The family happened to be Mexican, and they stopped and approached the scene. The dad and the kids went to their car to get the blankets and water that they had in there. The mom took off her sweatshirt and stayed with the woman. She introduced herself, brushed her hair with her fingers, and sang songs to her in Spanish. When the husband and kids returned, they wrapped her in blankets and washed her wounds and brought her to the hospital. The woman was badly beaten. The woman was badly bruised. And by the time they got to the hospital, the woman was unconscious. The woman did not have an ID on her, so the hospital had no idea who to contact. The family that helped her extended their vacation a few days because they couldn't stand the thought of the woman being left in the hospital all alone. The mom came each day, praying and singing and reading the Bible over her. Finally, a few days later, the woman came too, and her name was made known. She looked around the room and saw that she was in the, a hospital that she was in pain and that she was badly bruised. She looked to the window and saw a woman sitting there reading and singing. The woman said hello and introduced herself in broken English. At that exact moment, a nurse came in and shared the story with the woman. The woman wept as she began to remember the events leading up to the attack. The nurse looked at the Latina mom and said, you did a good thing. Your kindness allowed her to live and be taken care of. In that moment, the mom got up and hugged the woman, and then she left. A few days later, as the woman was leaving the hospital with her family, the social worker stopped them and said, please let us know if you need anything. 
We also want to let you know that your hospital bill was taken care of by the family that brought you in. To yourself, what did you see? What did you hear? What do you wonder about? See, a lot has happened in the last year. We can all reflect on it. And so my question for all of us is, what are people seeing in us that say we love Jesus? What are people hearing from us when we say we love Jesus? What are people wondering because of us? Because if our posts and our words and our actions are not letting people see Jesus, then I need to ask the greater question this morning. And that question is why? See, if we're living in a way that only brings glory to ourselves or a people group or the political party that we say we're a part of, then we need to start asking the question, why? If we say we're about Jesus, but people feel judged after they leave us, or they feel less than, or they feel insignificant, then we need to ask the greater question, why? Because Jesus enters in and shows goodness and kindness. And so if people aren't experiencing goodness and kindness because of the work the Lord's doing, then we need to ask the greater question, why? So for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to go into worship but I want us to look at these three icons. What are people seeing in us? Is it the goodness and kindness of God? What are people hearing from us? Is it the goodness and kindness of God? What are people wondering about us? Are they wondering about the goodness and kindness of God because of us? So all around the auditorium, you'll see there are brown basins and there are bottles of water. This is our COVID-friendly way of cleansing. So... <laughs> If you don't mind, and if the Lord is leading you, this is not a pressure. I'm not saying, please, everyone come up. I'm saying, if the Holy Spirit's doing something in you. And in one of the three categories, you're like, I don't know. Or maybe the Lord's actually saying, in showing in his kindness and goodness, when he leads us to repentance, he's saying, hey, remember that one time? And you've never confessed it. Then what I'm encouraging us to do is to come forward, grab a bottle of water, and to pour water over each of our hands. And as we pour the water, there's a prompt there for us to pray. And it says, Father, thank you that your goodness and kindness invites me into repentance. Today, I repent of. And then at the end, it says, may your goodness and kindness continue to invite me to be more like you, Jesus. See, because in this moment in history, we get to be Jesus to people. We get to be the ones entering in. We get to show people that the best perspective, the best answer, the best reasons for living are Jesus. And if people aren't understanding that, the ones that we're relating to regularly, then we need to reflect on the why today. Because this is the best time in history for us to be living. Will you pray with me? 
Father, thank you that you are the best. Father, we thank you that you love us deeply and that you are so excited that we get to represent you. And so, Father, I pray in this moment that each one of us will be able to celebrate the ways we are doing that and loving you and others well, and then also reflect on are there ways we're not? And then, Lord, will you help us to be more like you? Thank you, Lord, that your kindness leads us to repentance and that we don't need to be ashamed of repentance. We get to rejoice in repentance because we get to look more like you through repentance. So I bless this time in Jesus' name. So to end our time today, I am inviting my friend Raul up and he's gonna pray a blessing over us and then um, he's gonna pray and then bless us in Spanish. Raul, would you mind coming up? I just wanna pray. Padre de toda bondad, God of all kindness and faithfulness, que tu Espíritu siempre esté en nosotros, that your Spirit be always with us. Permite que así como hace tiempo tú caminabas y la gente podía sentirse amada, let us that, that time ago when you walk in earth and people can feel that love, permite que nosotros también podamos cargar con nosotros esa bondad, Señor, para que la gente pueda conocerte más. Let us to carry all that goodness and all the kindness that the people can see your love through us. Permite que nuestro corazón día a día te busque, que nuestro corazón se derrame ante ti. Let us that our heart every day seeks your face and pour into you. Que cuando caminemos y veamos a la gente, puedan ver como esa gente que veía que estaba enferma y estaba cargada de pecado, que estaba cargada de, de rechazo, Señor. Podía ver que había un lugar para tener un refugio. That the people can see through us that when, like, that time when they, when the sick people, that the people used to run away from them, when Jesus, like, you were seeing them and they can see the, the kindness through your eyes, they, they find a refuge. Let us be that, that same love to them. Permite que día a día podamos, Señor, serte fieles a, a lo que tú nos dices, que podamos llevar con nosotros el evangelio que podamos realmente estar cargados de ti y que todos mis hermanos que están aquí en esta iglesia puedan experimentar tu amor que puedan romper toda barrera que puedan realmente dejar que, que seas tú quien guíe sus corazones no permitas que nuestro egoísmo que nuestra ceguera que todas las cosas que tenemos al pendiente perder la reputación tener miedo de ser juzgados esto haga que nos apartemos de ti al contrario que podamos Señor vivir una vida libre en ti que tengamos la libertad a través de tu Espíritu Santo y podamos Señor reconocer que tú eres lo máximo y que si perdemos la vida que estimamos por ganancia que sea una pérdida por tu Evangelio así como decía Pablo Señor en sus cartas permite que vivamos una, una verdad Señor que haga a la gente libre de su pecado que, que la iglesia, que Third Church pueda Señor realmente reflejar tu amor a la gente afuera, que la gente deje de sentirse juzgada al acercarte a ti y que al contrario, que puedas sentir tu amor a través de nosotros, danos bondad Señor a los ojos, que realmente podamos ver a través del corazón Señor, para que esa gente te conozca, para que esa gente realmente pueda saber que eres un Dios real, un Dios lleno de amor Señor, dispuesto a entregárselo a todos Padre, a través de la fe en Jesucristo, por quien en el mismo nombre oramos en esta mañana Señor, 
Amen.